I tell people that local chambers of commerce define their communities. Join that first. Uh, If you still care and want to make Ohio more competitive and understand the value of policymakers across the street at the state house, please join the Ohio chamber too. But I, you know, both local chambers and the state chamber are super important to our communities, their vitality and their future, because both of us define uh, our communities. And so I'm excited to be at the Ohio chamber, excited to be part of making Ohio more competitive. We are looking forward our way, coming to you from the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, located in downtown Columbus, Ohio. Hey, this is Brett Carroll, and I would like to thank Steve Stivers, President and CEO of the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, for speaking with us today and hosting our podcast show in the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. Never been in the building. Well, it's welcome to the building. It used to be the Columbus Dispatch. Exactly. Uh, It's been historically renovated it's beautiful and we're happy to be your host today it's great to be on your show wonderful thank you so much um we have had uh, mr stivers here several times starting when he was congressman stivers representing ohio's 15th district in the u.s house of representatives we've discussed a lot with him about veterans but today we're going to talk about the ohio chamber and his role as president ceo and also the new blueprint for Ohio's economic future. So thank you so much again for being with us. Let's start with an overview about your background and um, preparation for your role when the last time we talked you had just started this job. Well I've been here now 16 months. It's hard to believe. You know I wasn't really looking for a job when the Ohio Chamber originally came calling but uh, the more I looked into the Ohio Chamber of Commerce the more I realized that it would give me a chance to come home, be home with my wife and my 10-year-old son, my 13-year-old daughter, and still be involved in policy and make a difference. That's what this blueprint for Ohio's economic future is all about. It's a 10-year agenda to try to make Ohio the best state in the country to own or operate a business uh, and make Ohioans, uh, whether they're owners or employees, more prosperous through that uh, competitiveness. We're excited about that. I've also been very involved in the Supreme Court races this year because it's important to our business climate to have judges that will interpret the law and not try to make the law from the bench. And we've gotten involved in a ton of uh, business issues uh, and things that you might not think a Chamber of Commerce would get involved in, things like child care, because if we want to get more people back to work, we need to fix child care. Things like housing, because if we're going to get all these new employees for Intel and Honda battery right. plant, they yeah. got to have a place to live. And we're a quarter million housing starts behind in Ohio. So uh, it's been an amazing opportunity. I have uh, get a chance every day to work with an amazing team here at the Ohio Chamber of Commerce and interact with policymakers across the street at the legislature, with Governor DeWine, and a lot of people that are trying to move Ohio forward, the Jobs Ohio folks that are bringing in Intel and Honda. Uh, We get to work with them every day to grow Ohio's economy. It's a fun job. I get up every morning with a smile on my face and get to make a difference. I love it. So it your your role in Congress really prepared you well for this. You don't quite have that knowing that it's going to get passed, that the legislation's going to get passed, but it's still really taking care of all those issues that you were working with while you were in Washington. It's a lot of the same issues I was working on when I was in Washington. And before that, Carol, I was a state senator. So mm-hmm. those issues and the people that I knew when I was a state senator – Uh, And, of course, it's also a great chance to build something and grow something. We've uh, created an events business since I got here to serve our members better and grown revenues uh, in a big way. Uh, When I got here, we were about $5 million in revenue. Today, 16 months later, we're $7.6 million in revenue. So we're really growing to serve our members better and growing with the state of Ohio. So it's an exciting time, and I'm having a lot of fun. Great. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, when they hear Chamber of Commerce, think only of it's a lobbying organization to help business. But, you know, chambers, I think, have evolved, and they're playing a much larger role in our economic development. What do you envision the Chamber's role should be, and how does the Chamber strengthen Ohio's business climate? Well, that's a great question, Brad, and we do try to be involved in policy to make sure that we have solid policy, but we also 
are engaged in recruiting businesses and people to Ohio. One of the big things we hear from a lot of our members, we have 8,000 members, and the number one thing I hear is they need employees. So we've gotten actively engaged in recruiting talent to Ohio, but also recruiting companies to Ohio like Intel, like Honda, like Amgen, like the Ford battery plant. So we've tried to be involved in economic development because we want to grow the economy for the benefit of all 11.3 million Ohioans. We've gotten involved in helping grow diversity, um, equity, and inclusion as well to try to make sure that that all communities benefit from a growing Ohio. Uh, Eric Kearney has uh, stepped up to head our diversity program, and we're trying to help bigger companies uh, diversify their supply chain to include some minority businesses in their supply chain. We think, you know, the Ohio economy needs to benefit all 11 million people in this in this state, and we can do it without hurting anybody. We can just help everybody and, and help move the economy forward, grow the economy in big ways, and make sure everybody benefits We're from it. We're in such a, a different situation now, post-COVID, that it looks like we have to look at any resource that we can to, to, to grow. Absolutely. And, and this is a great opportunity for the DEI, all of this stuff. Absolutely, and, yeah. and frankly, this state has been growing too slowly for too long. And, you know, in the last 10 years, Ohio grew, but it grew by a quarter of a percent a year. That's almost rounds to zero, but mm-hmm. I, I, we just have to grow faster. I was in Austin, Texas this summer, and there's cranes everywhere in Austin. Austin's growing super fast. I, we don't need to grow that fast. They'll outgrow their infrastructure pretty fast. There's going to be a lot yeah. of pain and suffering for the people there as far as commute times and hassles and uh, we don't need to grow that fast but I'd like to grow faster than we are you know I know that a lot of cities in the Midwest are shrinking Detroit Chicago um, and you know Columbus and Cincinnati are growing Cleveland Akron Youngstown and, and Canton and Toledo have all been shrinking a little bit but we want to get those northern cities growing again and put a little gas on the fire that helps Columbus and Cincinnati grow even faster. Right, exactly. So you just mentioned the Honda and Intel with, needless to say, that whole Intel announcement was a huge surprise, but an amazing opportunity here in town. Um, And also that we've only been growing a quarter of a percent for the past few years. What do you see coming around in 23 in the near future? And I realize that we may not be able to talk about specific companies, but I'm sure there's some plans out there. Well, the good news is Ohio's really starting to grow. Even before Intel and Honda, in 2021, during the pandemic, Ohio grew uh, by 99,000 private sector jobs. That was the biggest growth in Ohio since 1997. Um, And we broke records for business filings. 197,000 new businesses were created in uh, 2021. And again, that was before Intel and Honda's announcement. And I think they're a hint toward other big opportunities in the future. We've talked with uh, Jobs Ohio, and uh, the pipeline is full of mega projects like Intel and like Honda. And um, we probably won't get them all, but if we get some of them, Ohio is going to be growing faster than we've grown in three decades, and we're excited about that. And and Ohio needs that kind of growth because when you think about some other things that are going on, the transition to electric automobiles, look at Ohio. Uh, 17% of our manufacturing is in the automotive industry. And look at what we build here. We build engines and transmissions. All those things will fundamentally change when you move to an electric vehicle that has less moving parts and has, you know, no... Um, internal combustion engine. It has uh, an electric engine and it has no gas tanks, no carburetors, um, a different transmission. So it it will be a fundamental change. And that's why the Honda announcement was so exciting. Not just the $4 billion they're going to put in a battery plant, but the $3.8 billion they're going to put in redoing their existing manufacturing to make electric vehicles here. And that's the thing we've got to make sure happens at the Jeep plant, Mm -hmm. at the other GM plants and the Honda plants and the Ford plants. 
we need, I said Honda, they already did it, but uh, you know, all those other manufacturers that make something in Ohio, we want them to continue to make things in Ohio as they transition to electric vehicles or hydrogen powered vehicles, whatever they transition to, we need the next generation to be made right here in Ohio. And that's another, you know, small company that announced it's moving to Columbus, Hyperion. They make hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. Uh, but it's an important technology that a lot of people, I think, are overlooking. And uh, while electric vehicles, you know, have gotten the most attention, I think we need to continue to pay attention to things like hydrogen vehicles and other technologies as well. I would hate to bet all my money on VHS or or in beta when VHS <laughs> ends up winning the right. the war. So we right. uh, we want to make sure we diversify our economy in Ohio around manufacturing in the future. And that's what Intel is going to help us do. It's a whole new industry in Ohio. It's a big deal. And there's other projects like that that could come, not necessarily uh, um, silicone wafer manufacturers, but other um, other big mega deals in the pipeline. And, and we're working to help support those. And we're hoping that a few of them actually happen. Yeah. Well, even if you take a look at, we need the diversification of those different speaking of the automobile again i mean look at what we've done by relying on gas engine only maybe yeah. we better not do that in the future and rely on all those four or five systems that we're just talking about because each one has a drain on something that's right so, uh, it's, it, that's yeah. a great point and you know you don't want to put all your eggs in any one basket no. and i'm excited about yeah. the diversified economy we have in ohio and we just need to continue to invest in it and continue to grow it. And we need to get people to move to Ohio because mm -hmm. uh, we need workers. Right. Well, you know, and usually those big headlines come when Intel comes in and decide on a new location. But I would assume there's got to be plenty of companies who have either moved in or expanded over the past few years. Let's give some headlight and highlights to them that maybe we just have not noticed and just haven't gotten the press. Well, that's, that's a great point, Brett. You know, there will be over 100 – um, suppliers to Intel that are coming to um, Ohio, not all to Columbus or Central Ohio. Some will come to go to Cleveland, some will go to Cincinnati, and some will go to other parts of the state. Um, Intel has kind of a hundred mile rule that they want their suppliers within a hundred miles. Okay. And um, the good it definitely news is benefits Northern Ohio. If, then, if you yeah. make a hundred mile circle from Columbus, the great news is almost all of that space is in Ohio. right? So uh, that's the great thing that they're in central Ohio. But there have been a lot of other announcements. I talked about Amgen in Cincinnati. They're a uh, biologics manufacturer um, and uh, biosciences is growing. You're gonna see a lot more of that in the future. And Amgen announced a, a giant R&D uh, facility in Westchester, Ohio. That's exciting. Foxconn, announced a battery plant in Lordstown, Ohio. GM announced a, a battery plant in Lordstown, Ohio. So we've seen a lot of uh, announcements that didn't even get as much press. Mm -hmm. um, the Ford plant in Elyria got some press. Uh, and of course, Honda and, and Intel got a ton of press. Yeah. And they're big jobs and they deserve every bit of press they got. But you're right, we need to talk about all the wins and there's a whole bunch more of those you know, medium-sized employers that are bringing 100 to 300 jobs to Ohio, and we're excited to have them all. Well, it looks like this expansion's helping maybe the brain drain that we used to always talk about. Well, we hope so. You know, we still, uh, right now, there are 11.3 million Ohioans, but there's 3.5 million Ohioans that grew up here that live somewhere else right now, Brett. And if they all lived in Ohio, we'd be 15 million people in Ohio. We'd have enough workers for everything. We would, you know, if you're in the service industry, there'd be a third more business in the state. Uh, it would be a big, big deal. We'd have uh, four more congressmen if yeah. we had three and a half right. million people. So it's um, that's the kind of thing that uh, – you know, could really help is to try to get some of those people to move back and try to close the back door of our college graduates and other folks that are leaving. So we import people to come to college here, whether they go to Ohio State or Miami or University of Cincinnati or Bowling Green or our private schools like Wittenberg and Case Western that are great. But then 
too many of them leave when they graduate. And when we have these new jobs that are coming, I think hopefully it'll encourage more people to stay. The chamber's supporting a bill called the Grow Ohio Act that Representative John Cross has. It'll bring more uh, college students to Ohio from outside Ohio. But most importantly, it will connect college students while they're in Ohio with Ohio businesses, our members, to do work-based learning, internships, mm -hmm. externships, those kind of things. And then finally, it will make sure that if those people choose to stay in Ohio after graduation, there's an incentive. They, they get a little bit of a tax refund for about five years to get them to stay in Ohio. So uh, we think that all three parts of that bill are important, bringing more students to Ohio, especially of National Merit Scholars, and getting those students while they're here in college connected with Ohio businesses and then giving mm -hmm. them a financial incentive to stay in Ohio. So we're excited yeah. about things like that. And I think if we can shut the back door and get keep people yeah. from leaving Ohio, we'll be much better. Right. Right. And, and the whole Intel project has a huge education component, education training component it with it. So that we're hoping that that uh, and they're I think Ohio State is leading that charge with a lot of the other Ohio schools right. because it's really going to be an issue too uh, making sure that our the curriculum meets the employer's needs that and that's always the key thing to do and Intel leaned into that pretty hard mm -hmm. gave millions of dollars to Ohio State to Columbus State to Central Ohio Technical College to Ohio University to um, Bowling Green and Miami and University of Dayton and University of Cincinnati to try to make sure that their curriculum lined up with the type of workforce that they needed. Uh, as I said earlier, the number one thing we hear from our employers, our members, our 8,000 members, is that they can't get enough employees or keep employees. So uh, we've got to do more to grow employees, and that's what our uh, higher education institutions do, both community colleges and four-year colleges need to grow the talent of the future. And that work-based learning I talked about where you internship, have an internship at a company, uh, gives you that practical application mm -hmm. for that education. And that's really important too. And we're trying to get all of our members to lean into work-based learning because we think it's really important toward the workforce of the future if we're going to develop right. the right talent. Yeah. At, at one point in time, there was um, maybe more flexibility that employers had more training programs in-house, that kind of thing. And that went by the wayside for whatever reasons. And really recruitment and hiring, as you said, is one of the uh, the critical issues that are going on right now. So my question was, was going to be, uh, what do you advise employers to do? But let's bring that back to the new blueprint for Ohio's future. Because part of that was to look at education here in the state and the workforce and the training of the workforce. So maybe you can give us a little bit of an overview of that. Yeah, just a few things that uh, we found in the blueprint. How the blueprint was put together is we partnered with Accenture, one of the world's biggest consulting firms. They looked at the economic competitiveness analysis of all 50 states. Uh, there's a lot of different data out there. CNBC has a lot of data. Forbes has a lot of data. U.S. News has data. All of them published the lists of who's the most competitive on various things. And we deconstructed all of those rankings and then tried to figure out what policies would move us up. Uh, we rank about 38th on workforce right now. Um, and if you start, I'm going to start at K through 12 for a second. If you start at K through 12, um, not enough. We have 660 school districts in Ohio, and um, only one-third of them have uh, a um, program for computer um, science. And computer science is going to be really important to the future. Um, things like coding, you know, if only a third of the school districts mm -hmm. have a program, we are leaving way too many of our students behind. Right. And then you let's move beyond high school for a second, move to community colleges. Um, we aren't getting our mid-level and older workers, people that have been in the workforce more than 10 years, reskilled fast enough. So technology changes, machines change, um, a lot of things change over time, and you've got to reskill those workers. That's where our community colleges like Columbus State, Central Ohio Technical College, um, you know, Cleveland, uh, Tri-C up in Cleveland, mm -hmm. all do an amazing job of 
making those reskilling uh, thing programs happen. But we've got to get more of our small employers connected with those so that they can get those employees upskilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also, um, and it ties with it, um, we have so many small businesses in Ohio that are on legacy equipment. They're on equipment that's more than 50 years old. Wow. And Indiana has a program that is a um, partial grant program that encourages small businesses to invest in their equipment and get newer equipment so that a manufacturer could become an advanced manufacturer. Um, And that will help them have higher productivity, be able to get better technical specs for their customers, but it's going to cost them some money. And so the other thing it'll then require, of course, is the employees to be able to run the new equipment, so they'll have to upskill. So uh, combining two programs, one that Ohio has called TechCred, mm-hmm. that will help pay for the upskilling of the employee, and then a program that Indiana has that creates a grant program, a competitive grant program, so that small businesses can apply for a grant to subsidize that new equipment, uh, will help encourage a lot of those small businesses to, uh, to invest in that equipment. It'll make those small businesses more competitive, and it'll keep those jobs in Ohio and keep those companies moving over the long range because they'll be more competitive with their peers. Right. And um, so we're trying to get one of the programs created and get more money in the other one in Ohio. We think that's really, really important. And, of course, the last thing is, is four-year degrees. Ohio has a... Um, a lower percent of our population with four-year degrees than many of our peer states that we, and especially than our aspiring states. When you look at states like Texas and Florida and Virginia, they have higher four-year degrees than uh, percentage of population with four-year degrees than Ohio. We need more people with four-year degrees, but we need more people with um, certifications and skills from community colleges. And then we need to make sure the the folks that are coming out of K through 12 that might not be going on get the basic skills they need to be ready. And again, it goes back to being uh, tied in to the local economy. And um, every school district is required to have a business advisory council. And too many of those school districts pass that work off to the education service center at the county so they don't have any connection with their local business community they don't know what kind of employees they're they have in their local economy and the skills they need therefore they don't know what they're supposed to produce it would be like a you know a cereal manufacturer not knowing what their customers want to eat it makes no sense we've got to get our k through 12 schools and our higher education schools much more closely tied with the business community and we think that's a role the chamber of commerce can help play too you know and that's that's one of the things that i've seen when i was working with so many employers is there are some incredible opportunities and programs that the state has created over the years but they don't know about it and so having a place where all of this information is filtered would be so much easier for the employers to find out and hopefully then school systems are going to come along too. So, yeah. Well, an added issue to the hiring situation is the need for skills training and, and finding qualified applicants. We've kind of touched on that. But has the chamber found successful training programs that employers can utilize to increase their employees' capabilities and improve that business capacity? We have. And, and I talked about TechCred. That's one of the programs. And it works very, very well. The problem with TechCred is it's only approved for certain industries. So, for example, we have a great shortage of truck drivers in Ohio, but a truck driving school is not approved as a tech cred program. So if you want to uh, get somebody a commercial driver's license, tech cred's not going to help them. So we need to expand the tech cred program or come up with other programs, especially for those critical shortages in Ohio. Uh, There's also been legislation like Senate Bill 166, which went into effect last year, the Student Pathways for Career Success grant program that creates a financial incentive for businesses to provide that work-based learning that I talked about already that is so critically important, especially for technical skills. And a bill we're working on I already talked about is the Grow Ohio program that will help make sure that um, we get more out-of-state national merit scholars in Ohio schools. It will, again, 
tie those work-based learning experiences to Ohio college students and finally give an incentive for those students to stay in Ohio. We think some of those things uh, will really help move us forward. And many of them are mentioned in the blueprint for Ohio's economic future. All right. You'd mentioned earlier, too, in regards to needing more of those four-year degrees from colleges. In two years, fine, too. You know, that's an important part, too. How can we address that with the cost of getting a four-year degree? Well, we think work-based learning is an important part of that. Okay. Many employers have tuition assistance mm-hmm. programs. So if you can get a job you know, with a company, they will lots of times help you pay for college. And so uh, that's the way I got my college degree. I worked my way through college in the Ohio Army National Guard, and they had a a college um, tuition assistance program that helped pay for my college. And, uh, you know, I think that that's a model more students should follow. I didn't have much debt when I graduated because the National Guard helped pay for my school. Mm -hmm. And a lot of employers... Even if you're a barista at Starbucks, they will help pay for your college. If you work at Amazon, they will help pay for your college. Most employers have some tuition assistance program. So, um, you know, unless you need every minute and every hour to study, I would say look at getting a job and see if they have a tuition assistance program. And if you, you know, if you're going to school, maybe you shop around looking for an employer that has one. And I can tell you of our 8,000 members, most of them have some form of tuition assistance program to help their student or help their employees get the skills they need, including college degrees, Brett. Yeah, yeah. good. And, and I think with higher education, the, the biggest confusion that students have, at least when I was working in higher ed, is they see that degree as the do-all to end-all, and that's mm-hmm. the end of their learning. Yeah. And having employers working with their employees towards continued, not just a degree, but continued upskilling. Um, Carol, that's, that's, that's a great, we all have to learn to be lifelong learners. Right. Because right. the world is changing at a much faster pace today than when my dad was in the workplace 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it, it's so fast, the pace of change, that if we stop learning, we make ourselves uncompetitive and we'll be out of a job, we'll be unemployed. Right. So all of us need to continue to be lifelong learners in the skills that apply to work, but also many of those skills can apply at home or our health or our relationships. So, you know, we can be lifelong learners in many ways. And and showing children that I'm an I'm an I'm a lifelong learner as an adult, you're going to be a lifelong learner and and mentoring your kids through that change in attitude towards what education is going to give. And again, it's not just getting a four-year degree, that there are reasons and places and times when it's appropriate for a young person, um, but there's nothing that says that you can't start out doing other things, go back for a four-year degree, go back and do other things, and really see it as as um, a, a progression as opposed to a final deal. Well, so. that's a really important point, Carol. I was talking with the Society of Human Resources Professionals, mm-hmm. SHRM, mm-hmm. and uh, most employers are moving from degree requirements to skill requirements. They don't care whether you have a, a degree on your wall. They want to know what you know, not what degree you have. And so skills has become uh, the new requirement, not degrees. Which is definitely going to help some of our um, applicant pool who have had dish, uh, issues and difficulties finding employment because an older adult may have 20 or 25 years of great experience and wonderful skills, but they don't have a bachelor's degree, so they get popped out in the applicant tracking systems right away. And I think a lot of the um, artificial intelligence models are now looking for those skills as opposed to just requiring a degree. So hopefully that will continue, but that's the new buzz among the Society of Human Resource Professionals is they want to focus on skills, not degrees. Mm. Right, right. Um, So one of the other issues that uh, the blueprint for Ohio's economic future talks about is infrastructure. You know, if you can't get people to their job, um, there are issues. Um, We couldn't get our goods and inventory because of problems in um, the logistics and 
the supply chains and the transportation and not enough drivers. Tell us a little bit about what the blueprint found on on infrastructure issues. Well, it really found a few things on infrastructure. It found that we need to invest in um, traditional infrastructure, roads, bridges. We need to invest in public infrastructure like public transportation. One of the things we found is that if you rely on public transportation, uh, well, let's say if you drive to work yourself and you have a commute, the average commute in Ohio is less than 20 minutes. Uh, If you use public transportation to get to work, uh, that almost triples. Mm -hmm. It takes almost an hour to get to and from work. And so we need to make that more convenient because it's become a barrier to employment for people that have to rely on public transportation. So we have to figure out how to change our public transportation. You know, they, if you look at it in a computer analogy, our public transportation system still uses a mainframe computer model when the world has moved to distributed computing. If you ask an employee where they want to go, they want to go from where they are to where they need to go. They don't want to go down a, a <laughs> central route with a bus transfer and then another bus transfer. No. Like they and want stand the, in the rain. They want the Uber and Lyft model. They don't right. want the big old 1970s bus model. Right. So we've got to figure out how to uh, get our public transportation to be much more um, adaptive and much more willing to fill the needs of the customer. It's not a nobody's looking for a mainframe route anymore. They want to go from where they are to where they want to be, mm-hmm. and that's what we've got to figure out how to do. And that'll shorten those commute times and hopefully reduce that barrier to employment. The other thing that we found is that um, the um, rural broadband is really important. As we all went through the pandemic and we were trying to work from home and school from home and do everything from home, we found that. Um, you know, two-thirds of Ohioans don't have the internet speed that they need. They don't have a true 25 megabit or better broadband connection. And so we've got to do more to help make that available to those who can't afford it and make it available to those in our rural areas who can't today get it at any price because the backbone's just not there and not available yet. The state has done a great job in investing millions and millions of dollars in trying to bring that backbone to rural Ohio. But I will tell you that broadband internet is every bit a part of infrastructure as roads and bridges and buses and trains. Right. With your membership, are they talking about the issues of bringing folks back into their offices? Has that gone well, gone smoothly, or is that, or is that contributing to the problem of retaining staff? Well, I, I think it is uh, a little, of, a little of all those things. So. I found a real rift in our membership, but by the size of the company and the location of the company uh, and then what back to work means. So all our small employers, they've been back to work since either 2020 or 2021, uh, five days a week back in regular you know, business. Bigger businesses, especially in downtowns, are having more trouble getting their employees to come back downtown because you know they're working in the suburbs from home and they don't have a commute and they don't have to pay to park and child care, child care mm-hmm. and all those things. Right. So it's um, bigger companies are having a harder time of it. And I, I met with one of our big members this week. I won't uh, mention which CEO it was, but they're a CEO of a, a large company in downtown Columbus. And they told me they'll be on a hybrid model for a while because they're afraid to lose their talented employees that if they said, come back to work five days a week, a bunch of people would quit. And so uh, it is harder for some companies to get folks uh, to come back to work because either they're in a place that's less convenient or more expensive and has more hassles. And so uh, it is going to be a struggle for a little while to get some of those folks back to work. And I also think during the pandemic, people reprioritized their lives. They figured out how to live on less money. They figured out how to do a few less things. Mm-hmm. And some of those people said, oh, I, can, I don't have to make so much money. I can take this other job or drive for Uber or do this or that and, and make ends meet and have a better 
for them quality of life. And if that's their American dream, I get it. I just want to aspire to have people continue to grow and and grow their economic station in life. And so we want to make sure those opportunities are available, not to require anybody to do anything. And we want our employee members to do what works for their company and their employees. But uh, we've had our people back at work. I started on the 15th of, of May and we've or 17th of May and we've had people back to work since the 2nd of June 2021 which was the day Governor DeWine lifted the mask mandate and allowed people to sort of uh come back and we we've had people back 5 days a week ever since then and it's been uh it's been great we're trying to grow a culture here we're growing as an organization and I felt it was important to have people in 5 days a week to do that and the employees have responded pretty well, and we've given them additional benefits. We pay for their parking now, which we didn't used to do. We pay for all their um, health insurance for the employee, um, which we didn't used to do. So we're trying to add additional benefits to employees as we're asking more of them and asking them to come in every day. I'm sort of stretching the um, term for infrastructure. As you said, it's not just roads, it's also broadband. I almost want to say that 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 caregiving issue is almost becoming an infrastructure issue too. It's the infrastructure of their home. Well, that's um, we, and, and I know the the report talked about that. The in the blueprint we talk about childcare and there's childcare deserts all around the state of Ohio where even if you have the money and want to pay, you can't find a childcare provider. Right. And um, even when you uh, have providers. The amount people pay in Ohio is 103% of what they pay for rent to get <laughs> childcare. Uh, in states, some of our competitive states we compete against in the South, South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi, North Carolina, some states pay as low as 60% of rent. And, and you know, rent in Mississippi isn't even that high. So it's uh, that's they are figuring out how to get more childcare for less cost. Ohio has very strict licensure requirements. Right. Uh, that's been a barrier to entry for entrepreneurs that would like to maybe become a childcare in their home. If you want to do that, it can cost you as much as fifty or $100,000 um, to retrofit your home to become a childcare facility. That's a lot of money. You have to take on a lot of kids to make that payback. And it's been a huge barrier to getting that those um, daycare deserts, childcare deserts, uh, to become oases. So mm-hmm. we've got some work to do. We want to make sure we get more people to be willing to provide child care. And by doing that, one of the ways to do that is to reduce the administrative and regulatory burdens to doing that. We don't want to take away any regulation for health and safety, but we think there's some things we can do to ease that burden to encourage more supply. Have your, any of your members talked about the possibility of opening child care centers on location? We have several members who have recently opened uh, child care facilities on location. Intel, that is a brand new member of the chamber, is building a child care facility right on site. Wow. Uh, we have a lot of bigger members that can do that, but, you know, small companies can't really do that. So, and more of our members are small companies than big companies. We have 8,000 members. Over 6,000 of those qualify as small businesses under the Small Business Administration definition. So we need to figure this out, not just for big employers, but for all employers. Mm -hmm. So we've Mm -hmm. got to solve the problem overall. I'm excited that some of our big companies can afford and want to do that as an employee benefit uh, on site, but we've got to figure out how to grow the supply all over Ohio in rural areas, suburbs, and even urban cores. Right. Well, companies were provided government funding during the pandemic to maintain growth. We're now a couple of years out of us experiencing that influx of money, how it helped. But now I I guess I want to take a look at, do we need to revisit? How did, are you hearing from your members, it was a help, but do we do it again? Was it, you know, it was a mixed bag. It was a mixed bag and it's caused the inflation we're dealing with right now, Brett. And um, I will tell you, there are billions of dollars of unspent ARPA dollars as we sit here, hundreds hundreds of billions. So I don't think we need to have another round of ARPA. 
dollars. There's certainly some industries that have been harder hit. If you're in the travel and tourism business, if you're in the hotel business, the restaurant business, those folks have been hit harder. We need to figure out how to do some things for some of those sectors. But I don't know that free money is the answer. I think we need to figure out, how, again, how to grow our economy and uh, and allow that to work. Most of our members last year in 2021 had record years. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the economy is was back now with inflation and some supply chain concerns. Some companies are slowing down. We've seen some layoffs in Ohio, although they've not been mass layoffs. And the economy in Ohio grew last month. Uh, did not shrink for the you know it, it was actually growing. But it's uh, we've got more work to do to make sure that some of those sectors are taken care of. And uh, so we're trying to keep a special eye on travel and tourism, on hotels and restaurants, because some of those sectors really were hard hit and have not completely recovered. Right. I mean, I could see when I accepted the two PPPs that I got, I was totally under the impression I'm going to have to pay this back. I'm going to have to. It was just fine. I, I accepted it and did it. I could see where get the money, but you're 0% interest, whatever. I mean, just to help you get going, that's fine, but it's you're not going to pocket it <laughs> right? to help out. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, you know, the PPP loans were a great success, but a lot of the free money that we gave away did start to lead to inflation, and mm-hmm. we need to mm-hmm. recognize that. And we got to get inflation under control in this country. So I'm not sure that another round of those type of programs is necessary right now because mm. America is open for business. Ohio is open for business. You know, everything hasn't come back to exactly where it was pre-pandemic, but a lot of the businesses we talk to in the manufacturing sector or other other areas have a backlog of orders right now. I mean, the economy is still pretty good. Obviously, with supply chain and inflation, costs are getting a little out of control. And when you drive through a Wendy's that used to cost 10 bucks to get a <laughs> double stack and a chicken sandwich, and now it costs $21 and, 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 and last take, week it takes, to get... It takes 20 minutes versus 10 minutes. A chicken <laughs> sandwich meal and a double stack and a lemonade. I was I like, know. $21? 20, I know, Did you get that right? Yeah. <laughs> That's how bad inflation is. But yeah. uh, but um, <laughs> but we've got to get that under control, and I think yeah. we will. Yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, when you were talking about changing regulation, the one that I loved the most was for restaurants to have the doors, the outdoor dining, so you find all of these chairs and tables literally on the sidewalk. There are some ways that we could do this, and it's not painful. Yeah, right. To help people right. for small businesses. Yeah. Absolutely. And I and I think we all need to come together and we need to think about where we even individually buy things and support our local mm-hmm. businesses because mm-hmm. small business and local business is really important. And um, my wife and I get a lot more to-go food than we used to. And, um, I, you know, we occasionally would do a drive-through. Now we go to restaurants to get to-go food. Um and it's just our lifestyle changed, and we don't go out to eat. We bring the food to us and eat at home. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. But that still supports the local restaurant. And, sure. You know, and, I, and when I get to-go food, I tip now. I didn't used to do a lot of tipping. when I, I don't think many of us used to tip when we get to-go food. Now I tip just like as if I was staying in because, you know, I know they still need to get a staff, and I, I tip even if I'm walking out the door with the food. Right, right. One of the um, – items that I was hoping that we could talk a little bit about is looking at what challenges we think are coming up. Again, that blueprint has really honed in on some of those. What are the other areas that that the blueprint pulled together for um, the chamber? Well, there's really six areas that we need to focus on. And I talked about uh, the workforce and education a little bit. I won't hit that again. Uh, Another is the sense of place. Uh, and we need to make sure that, you know, people move to places. They don't just go someplace to mm-hmm. work. They want to live in a community. And when you think about the natural assets Ohio has, uh, we've got the lake, but we don't really utilize the lake. If you're sitting on the shore of Lake Erie, um, you know, you'd think you were by an ocean. You know, Ohio doesn't have oceans, but you're sitting on the shore of Lake Erie, you would never know it. Uh, we need to create access points to Lake Erie, but not just access points for like a park, but someplace where you can go and create economic activity. You can do some shopping. You can go out to eat. You can stay at a hotel there, something that's a public-private partnership right on the lake 
that is an opportunity for somebody to really create economic value and have access to our natural amenities um, would make a ton of sense. Uh, And we need to invest in those with public-private partnerships. We're excited about that. Uh, Taxes and costs, obviously, are always a concern. Ohio has 848 taxing jurisdictions at the municipal level, and uh, that's more than any state but Pennsylvania. So we're 49th, you know, one from the bottom on that. And uh, in Pennsylvania, they have one definition of income. We have 848 definitions of municipal income. That's a problem. We need to homogenize that and create one definition for what municipal income is. Uh, We all want to make sure we pay for the services that cities need, like police and fire that keep our safety or, you know, trash and water, all the things that keep us living well. But we also want to keep Ohio competitive. So we've got to figure out how to, you know, centralized administration of things like the municipal tax system, make it more efficient, figure out if there's a way to take some of the variability of the rate off. The top city, Parma Heights, charges 3% in addition to the 3% state tax. So they basically charge as much as the state does on income tax. If we could figure out how to bring that down a little bit and give them some other opportunities, uh, we think that would make a ton of sense. So that mun- municipal tax is not school tax. No, that's so it, not even okay. school. And school tax is even on top of that. So right. it's uh, right. some tax. Some school districts charge uh, an income tax in addition to the property tax. Uh, I talked about business friendliness. That's really regulation. Ohio overregulates, uh, unfortunately, and sometimes it's not around health and safety. And when you overregulate, you create barriers to entry, and you might help the people who are currently working in that sector, but you don't serve the greater population, the customers, and the marketplace very well. So we need to look at our regulation, regulatory system in Ohio. There's a uh, effort that's already underway called Cut Red Tape Ohio. You can go to Cut Red Tape Ohio. Just Google that and you'll go to a website. If there's a regulation you know of that's causing a problem for your business, you can report that regulation and the agency in charge is required to investigate your claim and report back to the legislature on it. So anybody that wants to participate, if they think there's a regulation that's hurting their business, go to Cut Red Tape Ohio and and enter the information. Interesting. And uh, it'll have to be looked at. Is there something that has been um, more predominant that has come up through that? Well, uh, there are certain industries that are regulated more than others in Ohio. And, um, you know, there we've looked at, you know, agriculture is regulated very, very heavily. And sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes it's not. Chemical manufacturing is very heavy, heavy regulated in Ohio. Sometimes that's for health and safety. Sometimes it's not. Uh, things like uh, oil refining, very heavily regulated in Ohio. But um, sometimes those regulations are necessary, and sometimes they aren't. So we just think it should be um, examined with a critical eye to say, is this really necessary for health, welfare, and safety? And if it is, then maybe you keep it. And if it's not, then maybe you don't. So we think uh, we should take a look at that. Ohio, uh, the Mercatus Center, which is a think tank, uh, used an artificial intelligence model and ran every state's regulatory code through this artificial intelligence model. And Ohio came back as having, uh, and I might mess this up, but 269,000 instances of restrictive words. Restrictive words are things like must, shall, um, cannot, you know, things that either force you to do something or not do something. And, you know, to compare that to Texas, which is a state that's bigger than us by population, they had about 130,000 instances, half the instances that we did of restrictive words in their code. So uh, we think that's a fair comparison, uh, again, to a state that has um, you know, a lot more people than we do, and uh, they have a lot less restrict- restriction in their administrative code. So we want to Uh, compare that. And the final two things we talked about, infrastructure already, and innovation and collaboration is the other thing we've really got to focus on. 
And uh, we have a ton of innovation in Ohio, but we need to continue to grow it because the states that understand how to take ideas, commercialize them, and uh, move them forward are going to do the best. Uh, we've got, had a lot of small companies that have grown in Ohio, a lot of good ideas, you know, companies. Um, we, we we're just talking about in the insurance space how many new companies we have in Ohio that are uh, were started here and are growing here, and that's exciting to have that kind of innovation and collaboration here. But we've got to have more of it, especially with Intel coming. Uh, the need for focus on innovation is going to increase in our economy, mm -hmm. and we've got to stay focused on that too. So those are some of the key things that we think we've got to pay attention to. Uh, we're going to focus on all six of those areas. We're going to try to take this blueprint, which is a 10-year vision, and turn it into an annual top 10 list of the things we want to focus on, the things we think are either most urgent or most necessary. Uh, and then we're going to continue to work our way through the entire list. And, and by the 10-year period, we hope to accomplish everything. Good. We always ask our guests if they have any last words of wisdom. Mr. Stivers, you know, what other suggestions or advice do you have for our listeners and business owners that you already haven't given? <laughs> well, just, uh, you know, I would tell folks if, uh, if there's anything that they are uh, experiencing, any issues or problems to, you know, call me here at the chamber. I'd love to know about it and figure out how we can help. You know, my cell phone number is 614-915-9903. And I, any of your listeners that want to give me a call about an issue that's important to them, I'd love to hear about it. Good, good. And I think, too, that the notion of particularly for business owners, chambers have um, a wonderful role in our Ohio economy. And uh, I hope that uh, that the business owners understand that it can be helpful. It's not just a, an organization that's going to take your money and then go and have lunch with a legislator. It's really something, a, a group that's going to help look at what the issues are from the Ohio Chamber, from the large city chambers, from your local community chamber. Take a look and, and see the value of that. Absolutely, Carol. I tell people that local chambers of commerce define their communities. Right. Join that first. Uh, if you still care and want to make Ohio more competitive and understand the value of policymakers across the street at the state house, please join the Ohio Chamber too. But I, you know, both local chambers and the state chamber are super important to our communities, their vitality, and their future because both of us define uh, our communities. And so I'm excited to be at the Ohio Chamber, excited to be part of making Ohio more competitive. You know, our mission is to aggressively champion free enterprise and economic competitiveness for the benefit of all Ohioans. And I'm excited about that mission. I wake up every morning trying to make sure we accomplish that mission. Wonderful. Mr. Stivers, thank you so much for joining us. This is Steve Stivers, who's president CEO of the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, and um, for sharing his expertise with us today. Listeners, thank you for joining us. And do not forget to check our show notes for contact information and resources on our website at lookingforwardourway.com. We're looking forward to hearing your feedback on this and all of our podcast episodes. Thank you again. <music>